Well, good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I apologize for not being here last week. We were just erring to the side of caution, and uh, this is the the day in which we live, but it's, it's good to be back. We're going to pick right back up where we left off. John 17 is where we're going to be. Uh, we're going to pick up at verse 6. We're going to look all the way down to verse 19. This is the second sermon. We're going to preach one more out of John 17, where first Jesus prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples that were with him, and then next week we'll see how he prays for us. And so, as you stand to your feet, I'm going to ask you to do something that you should always do when you read your Bible. So stand with me to your feet. What you're going to be looking for today as we read these verses together, we're going to read all of these verses this morning. They're very important. I want you to look for repeated words. The way you can tell a main theme or the main ideas of God's Word is especially when you see words that are repeated. So as we come together, let's Love the Lord not only with our heart, but with our very minds this morning as we read John 17, beginning at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them, and you have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word, and a beautiful word it is. And so, Lord, we have gathered here today. To see your glory. The glory of the own begotten son. Full of grace and truth. It came to us. Moved in next door and lived a life we can never live. And gave himself to us. Lord we have, we have gathered to see your glory. In the person of Jesus Christ. Through 
the revelation of your word. Answer our prayer today. That we may see your glory. That those listening online may see your glory. Maybe for the first time. Hear us we pray in Jesus name. Amen. So did you pick up some of the repeated words? Right? Hard. Once you study it. I didn't get to preach last week. So I've, I've had two weeks here. It's hard for me not to emphasize them. There's glory. There's. The word given. Did you see the word given in there? All over this passage. Jesus' prayer is concerned with his glory in a given people. These given people will continue his mission. So they need protection. And they need a unity. But this unity will be in truth. Jesus has prayed for glory for himself. This is the glory that he had. And that he will pick back up. And he has taken back up. But his concern now turns to pray for protection and unity for these given people. Specifically these given people in this context is his disciples. Those that were with him around the table and those who are now with him as he goes to the garden. Here's the truth. Living the gospel out. In these brothers' lives and in your life will bring both hardship and glory. They exist at the same time. And here's the problem. I can remember this vividly in a, many conversations, but in one particular, the ranger sitting on a different side of the church this morning. <laughs> Jason, you threw me off, brother. I was like, he's, he's usually over here. <laughs> I just had to say that. Sorry, I had to get that out of my head. I was, I was having supper with a, with a couple who were not happy. And I was telling them, it was this a gospel context. I was telling them the story of adoption, our story, connecting it with the gospel. And, you know, I'm passionate about that story. I like to tell you all the whole story one day. And I was telling him the story, tying it to the gospel, and he became about two-thirds into the story that I realized that they were hearing the story, and they were understanding the story. But they were just not responding at all. Matter of fact, to this story, they had a negative response. You see, this is the issue. They understood the story but they did not see the glory. This is the problem. And you've experienced it many times if you shared your faith. To where something was glorious to you. But though they understood it, they did not see it. This is our prayer this morning. That we would see the glory. That you watching online would see the glory. Jesus is praying for his people. Is a given people. These three words I want you to grab today. He wants these people to be kept. He wants them to be protected. And he wants them to be set apart. Set apart for a clear mission. Before he prays. For petition. He praises. You could say that these are praises. You could say that these are a foundation for his petition. I want you to see them quickly this morning. I'm not going to go into them in depth. I just don't want you to miss them. That first, Jesus is praising 
that he has revealed himself to them. To them is the disciples. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Notice first the the word manifested. This means to reveal, to make clear. Now you may want to mark 1 John. Find 1 John. Then you may want to mark it. I'm going to go there a time or two in the message. Listen to how John explains himself, this manifestation. What we would call in the world of theology, special revelation. We must have special revelation. 1 John 1.1 That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made what? Manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we also proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Leon Morris explains that this phrase your name notice it is the father's name you have manifested your name to these people these given people my disciples he he says you can sum up in that day in that context that name is the summary of the whole person it includes their character their nature everything about them the name was critical he says you have revealed the whole person of God To these people. The name of the Father is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. We've looked at this already. Turn back with me now to John. Look at chapter 14. John 14 verse 6. Listen to how Jesus is connecting this for the disciples. Verse 6 chapter 14. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have what? Seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. It would be enough for us. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you tell us? How can you say to me, show us the Father? Jesus is God with us. He has revealed to them God because it is Jesus is God with us. Here's the point. Creation and conscience is sufficient enough to say that there is a God and that you are accountable to God and that you sin against this God. But there is no pathway to salvation and peace with this God in creation. No pathway to that in the fact that you sin against your own conscience. We need something special for that. So we have His Word. We have Christ Himself. Proverbs 18.10, listen to it. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The name is a place. Name is a person. It is our salvation. 
praise him that he has been manifested not only to the disciples, but that they have been removed from the world. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Just want you to notice this. We've been, been trying to point this out as, this, as the prayer unfolds, that sometimes the words in the Bible have multiple aspects of what they're talking about depending on the context. That's one of the words that comes up here is this word sanctification, or to be set apart, or to be removed out of the world. There are two aspects to sanctification when you read it in Scripture. You could say it this way. One is consecration, and one is transformation. And we oftentimes, when we read it, sometimes we get confused because it may be talking about consecration, and we're thinking about progression and holiness And the context here is talking about to be set apart. To be consecrated for a special use. They are consecrated. They are taken from the world and given to the Son. This is what we say we are in the world, but not what? Of the world. Again, 1 John. John assumes that you have read and understand the Gospel of John when he writes 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2, 15. He says it this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not what? In him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Sinclair Ferguson writes it this way. These disciples belong to the new family where sin is no longer the order of the day. And this has been my prayer for two weeks. That we would understand the glory of what it means to be given to the Son. You can't think about it too much. These disciples have been set apart from the world, and had been given to the Son. That means that they have been, you got to know a little bit of your Old Testament here to grab this. They have been set apart for His possession, for His pleasure, for His glory. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people set apart for Him. David understood this in Psalms 27. He said, one thing I long for, one thing I desire of, to gaze at your beauty and to inquire of you in your temple. Couldn't get over this fact that I am a shepherd and I've been set apart for God. God removed them. God brought them to the Son. And listen, there's not even, there's not a period here. They've kept His Word. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, comma, and they kept your word. What does that mean, kept your word? The word kept means to lay hold of. means to grab it. Don't let it go. He's been teaching us this all through there. And back to chapter 14 again. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. So this giving, they have have been given by the Father to the Son. 
These that are given, they keep. Chapter 14, verse 24 says this, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. So he's not merely talking about that the disciples assent or understand his teaching. He is saying they have picked up a lifestyle of obedience. They are following me. And not only that, they have embraced an essential truth. You see it in verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have what? received them and I've come to know in truth that I came from you and they have what? believed that you sent me he's praising them to start with before he even begins the petition that they have believed that Jesus has been sent from the Father they have embraced it that he is the Messiah from God and everything Jesus says is what God says Hebrews eleven six says it this way. Without faith is it impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. The disciples had come to see that Jesus is the Messiah from God. And they have put their faith in Him. On the basis of this, on the basis of both the giving of the Son and the keeping of of the disciples. He, he prays what I'm going to say is three petitions. You could argue they're two. I broke them into three for clarity. So let's just before we get into petitions. Just point out some obvious hopefully truths. First is this is intercessory prayer. I don't need a direct mandate from God to go pray for my neighbors when I see my Jesus praying for his disciples and praying for me. This is intercessory prayer. I mentioned John Flavel, a Puritan, a few weeks ago. He says of this, that this is an example of Jesus' ongoing intercessory prayer for his people that is happening right now. There's a profundity to that. The disciples, secondly, obvious truth, but I don't want you to miss this. I'm repeating it over and over. The disciples represent Jesus' glory now. He's leaving. They represent his glory on earth. That's going to be their purpose. Look at verses 9 and 10. I am praying for them. See that? Intercessory prayer. I'm not praying for the world. But for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Listen to this. This is a paraphrase, but it's helpful. Paraphrase of this. This one guy puts it this way. And all of them, since they are mine, belong to you. And you have given them back to me with everything else of yours. And so they are my glory. There's, there's a glory in that. Do you see it? We talked about this at small group of hospitality. And we're just miserable at being consistent. We want to be better. But we're not consistent. I'm seldomly consistent at anything. And yet, our failure of sinning, inconsistent selves are put here on earth to be the glory of the Son of God. 
It's one of those things I begin to understand when Jesus said, He who has an ear, let him hear. We are eternally connected to the Godhead in a way that we are uniquely set apart to magnify His glory. The truth is this, that with that privilege and with that glory comes danger, comes hardships, comes hate. And so the Father prays, keep them in your name. Do you see it? Verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to them. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me. To praise, remember, they have embraced the name, but I'm leaving. And I'm leaving them in a dark and dangerous world. And some of you have just experienced this when you left your children at college for the first time. Right? And you felt it. This is a dangerous place, God, and I'm not going to be there. Keep them in your name. You feel that? That's what he's praying for his disciples. Keep them, God. I'm not going to be here. You're saying, sounds like there's something dangerous. That the danger is real. That it's urgent. And you'd be right. Look at verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have what? What does it say? Guarded them. And not one of them is lost except the son of destruction. There's a danger from the world. From the world. It's another key repeated word in here. The world has both hate and temptations. Hate and temptations. And here's the issue, verse 11. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are. They have been chosen out of a God-hated world, God-hating world, but yet they're still there. That's the danger. Why are Afghans who helped Americans in such danger? Because they're still there. That's why they're in danger. Thought about Melissa when you were saying that. I said, praise God we have a God who will never bail on his own people. They're in danger because they're still here and I'm leaving. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. This prayer is a prayer that they would keep them secure in faith in the midst of a hostile world. There is hate from the world. There is temptation from the world. And so he's saying, keep them. Don't let them go, God. Don't let them go, Father. Hold them fast. You see, not all of the disciples were kept. Sobering. Look at verse 12. One of them was lost. Son of destruction. If you read Judas' name, it's always got traitor, betrayer. Destruction. Listen, this is important. Everyone seeks glory. The only question is whether you're seeking it for yourself in your name for your kingdom or his name for his. You see, Judas understood the words of Jesus. He did. He didn't see the glory. 
He was blinded by what he wanted. By his own glory. By the satisfaction of his own lust. And unless by his amazing grace he gives somebody the ability to see the glory they cannot see. John explains this too in 1 John. In 1 John 2.19 it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they would have been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain. They are not all of us. Jesus prays. Keep them. Look at verse 11. We're going to talk about this next week, but don't miss it. They're keeping them not only in Him, but they are keeping them together. They want them to be a unified people that they might be one. We call this one the church. So the other side of this keeping is from the world. The other side is from the evil one. I feel like oftentimes as a Southern Baptist, I need to apologize for our denomination that we avoid talking about Satan. And we do so to our own dismay. Because this is part of the Lord's Prayer. Keep them from the temptations of the world. But protect them from the evil one. Look at verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Notice how connected to this world this is. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. See, the danger of the world and the danger of the evil one is interconnected. He's the God of this world. The word evil one means wicked. It means worthless. Second Thessalonians. Paul was understood this very well. He warns the church in Thessalonica. Gives them a promise. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. The evil one is a tempter. And I know in our minds that we pull up James. Wait a minute, we're tempted by our own lust, absolutely. But let's not forget the garden. Let's not forget who tempted man and started this whole problem to start with. Let's not forget Jesus in the wilderness. He is a tempter. And so, he prays, Holy Father, keep them from the temptations of the world and keep them from the destruction and the danger of the devil. COVID reminds me a lot of Satan. Because if you get it, it seems to search out your weakness. This uniquely your chink in your chain. And it just affects people different. It's what Satan does. He finds your weakness... And he uses that. Yes, in the lives of the believers. This is why the disciples, aided by the Holy Spirit, will have to combat both the temptations of the world and the, and the strategy of the evil one. The evil one tempts us. The evil one accuses us. Now, I want you to see this. I saw this. It's in the Old Testament. Just... 
Find Malachi, go back one book to the left, Zechariah chapter 3. I just thought this was amazing. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It's a prophet speaking. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing for the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. This is good. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? God looks at the accuser and says, Back off, my people. That's my man called by my name. And when the devil whispers his lies into your ear, when you are at your weakest, you must know how you must fight him. And you must fight him aloud with the word of God. Don't pray to him. He's not God. You speak to him out loud like he was a man. Romans 8.33 helps us. When the evil one comes to tempt us, God has prayed for you. He's also given you the sword of the Spirit. Who are you, Satan, to lay any accusation against the people that God has chosen? And I'm one of them, by the way. Who are you to lay any condemnation against me? Did not Jesus come and die for me? Did He not live a perfect life because I couldn't? Is He not alive sitting on the throne coming in power, Satan? We can rebuke Him in the name of the Jesus Christ and God's Word. And we should. Peter helps us too. Sometimes we must remind Him that we are being guarded through faith. For a salvation that is waiting for us. I have been given eternal life. And I rest in Jesus' hand. And my Father is greater than anybody. And I rest in His hand. And they are one. He prays for us that we would not fall prey to His lies. That you are your past. You are chosen by God, held in His hand, set apart for His purpose. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, promised to these disciples and to you to do everything that Jesus did in the life of these disciples. The Holy Spirit came and He seals us, He preserves us, He protects us, He empowers us, He comforts us, He corrects us. In other words, He keeps us and He protects us what the Lord's praying for for the disciples and he also prays sanctify them in truth sanctify them in truth he's going to tell us next week that we need to be united in truth but sanctify them verse 17 sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world so I send them into the This word sanctify here means to set apart for something for special use. It is to be reserved for a special occasion. It is like your fine china. We didn't get any fine china. We had children. They would have probably broke it anyway. 
But if we would have something special, we do. You get it out at a particular time for a particular occasion. That's us. We're sanctified. We're set apart for God. And yet sometimes we don't live that way. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce was talking about a cartoon in one of his messages. He said there was two pilgrims crossing over to America in the Mayflower. And one says to the other, Religious freedom is my immediate goal, but my long-range plan is to go into real estate. And we may chuckle, you may not, you may not thought that was funny. But the point is that we are set apart for God. And even as believers, we can quench the Spirit when we begin to have divided affections, divided allegiance. And all you need to look is look into your checkbook to know where your allegiance is. We have been set apart. So he prays, sanctify them for God in truth. In truth. Everything that the disciples did and was responsible to do All of their keeping, all of their obedience, all of their faith, all of their believing was a response to what God had done. They only received and believed and kept when God gave it to them. The disciples did keep the word, but they did keep it after God gave it. They believed on Jesus, but they believed on Jesus after the Father sent him. We do the work, and we do it His way, and we do it with His truth. We are set apart for this. We're not set apart to live how we want to live. You're not set apart to make your agenda for your life. You're set apart for God in truth. No one is saved outside the truth of God's Word. And no believer can set his tomorrow without centering it firmly on the Word of God. We are set apart, look at verse 18, we are set apart for God, in truth, for mission. This set-apartness, this word sanctification that we use to describe it, in John's Gospel, is always for mission. That's why we call these men the apostles. They are the sent ones. So the prayer... At the end of the day, you boil it down to the common denominator. They are set apart for mission. They are kept for mission. They are protected for mission. They are the sent ones of God. They are the foundation pillars of the church of Jesus Christ that have been given the same mission they had. Go and make disciples. They will serve as the witness to the world in the midst of a hostile world. He's not taking them out. And he's calling us today to carry on the same apostolic ministry that the disciples had. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel. Don't worry. I got you. That's his prayer. So what today? So what today? Are you set apart by God? By God in truth for mission?
I'm not asking you if, you got, if you're set apart by God in truth. I'm saying for some of us, we need to realize we've never picked up the, the most important piece of our purpose of life. It is to bring glory to God in a particular way. And he calls it the mission of God. You see, there is a first here. That it could be that the mission of God, it could be that hospitality scares you to death or that evangelism scares you to death because we first must see the glory. Do you see the glory when you read your Bible? Or do you check it off your list so that you can get on to what you enjoy? We are set apart to enjoy and display His glory. That's the heart of mission. The heart of mission is not to present some canned speech. The heart of mission is to love them as Christ loves you and to build a relationship with them so that you may present the gospel to them so that they may be brought into the family of God. And you will not speak of that which you don't enjoy. We must first enjoy Him and then seek to display Him. John 20 underlines what verse 18 says when Jesus looks at these, His followers and says, As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. I've thought about this. If if I would say what I'm about to say, I would disagree with me to start with. Okay? So it's okay if you first have, I don't believe that's right. But please listen to everything I'm going to say. Your role, your individual role, is crucial to Christ's saving mission in redemptive history. His mission in history right now, your role is critical. No one else can do the gospel work that Christ has set before you in your life. Now, I would disagree with that, so listen to me. Because it's true. Parents, husband, wife, Students, grandparents, I'm looking at you with your baby right now. Listen to what I'm saying. Nobody can be the father to that child the way Micah can. Are you with me? Your role in the mission of God is crucial. No one can be the parent to that child. The husband to your wife. The wife to your husband. God has sovereignly placed you into your family. To show His glory to them people. In a way that you are uniquely gifted and called to do. And no one else in the world is. You are not at your workplace by accident. You are not there simply to make money. You are there because there are souls. There are children that must be gathered into the family of God. You live in the neighborhood you live in. You get in the cars you drive and stop where you stop. And go to the stores where you go. 
Because God has set you there because of His mission. So enjoy Him by displaying Him. Turn with me to First Chronicles. Didn't know whether I was going to read this, but I am. Mikey, if you want to begin to start working your way up here, I'm almost done. I want everybody looking at this, so if you've got your, uh, your, your Bibles on your phone or copy there in front of you, turn to First Chronicles chapter 16. David had been through his own season. <laughs> Read David's life. It is quite a journey from shepherd to being anointed king. And then, but guess what? David didn't become king right away, did he? He went through his own journey, his own crucible. And it, every bit of it had a purpose. <laughs> he finally becomes king. And if you remember, the ark had been captured and tried to bring it back and they did it their way and not God's way and somebody died maybe think they stuck it in somebody's barn so to speak because it scared them to death but the time had come to bring the ark the very symbol of God's presence in the midst of his people and so they did Listen to David. This has been my prayer. That we would see the glory and give thanks to the Son. Verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all of His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice seek the Lord. Rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done. His miracle and the judgments He has uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is The Lord our God, His judgments are in the earth. Remember His covenant forever. The word that He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that He has made with Abraham. His sworn promise to Isaac. His confirmed to Jacob as a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number... Of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation and one kingdom to another people. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones and do not harm the prophets. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. 
Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all it fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, I have prayed this for our brothers and sisters overseas. Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord and God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Then all God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together, Lord. We are like Moses at this point. It would say, Lord, we long to see your glory. And yet your glory came. Lived for us, died for us. And is coming again for us. And so now, Lord. We are here to respond and to receive. To receive from your goodness, your glory. And to respond in worship, to respond in communion, to respond in giving, and to respond by being sent. We are, Lord, your sent ones. Use us, God. Show us your glory so that we may be sent and display that glory. Be worshipped now in Jesus' name. Amen.